Hey, Monarch Nation. We have some house cleaning duties before we get to the episode. First off, I want to thank you all for tuning in and listening. We got a lot of feedback from Monarch Nation on some things we can clean up and improve on, and we will continue to work on those. And we hope you are patient with us to give us the time to figure that out. Uh, this is a work in progress by two people that do not have any experience in this field. Secondly, I need to give an introduction to our guest today, Scott Jackson. He is an announcer. He's a broadcaster. He's a play-by-play guy. He is the current host of the Washington Commander's official post-game show. He does play-by-play for VCU basketball. And he's a radio broadcaster who you can hear in the D.C. area and on Sirius XM. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the episode. Hey, Monarch Nation. Thank you for tuning in to the Monarchist Podcast. This is Mike. I'm Aaron. And today we're welcomed by Scott Jackson, ODU alum, announcer, a man about town. Welcome, man, Scott. Thanks for thank joining you. us. Feel, I like the man about town part. It makes, it makes me feel very important <laughs> to be out there. Hey, good to be here with you guys. It's better to be at a tailgate with you guys for those the folks that are listening and don't know that. They should know that, but I appreciate you guys bringing me on the podcast as well. Although the tailgate was a lot of fun, I might add. It was a blast, always is. So we're going to go back to your journey to Uh ODU. When you chose ODU, was broadcasting always your goal? Yeah, I mean, broadcasting was always my goal. I wanted to do that. Growing up in the D.C. area, there was a lot of big-time TV sportscasters that I liked, so I, I wanted to be a TV person. That was back when local news mattered. Back in the day, which but pri- this is so I'm so old. It was prior to ESPN. At this point, guys, there was no such thing as ESPN at this point. So yeah, it's definitely what I wanted to do. ODU obviously does not necessarily have a broadcast school and a communication school. I took a lot of classes at Norfolk State, but I kind of carved out my own niche there. And really, the, the stuff that that worked the best for me was the hands-on experience working at Wavy Ten. Uh, Wavy TV 10 under Bruce Rader as an intern with uh, also John Castleberry was there, of course, was the voice of ODU for many, many years. I worked with John over at the radio station, which is, you know, what we called it back in the day was the score 1310 WGH. It was an all sports station. Obviously, they're not doing the all sports over there anymore. That's now on the FM dial. And so that, that's really the, the great stuff I did in my, my senior year. I called football games at Foreman Field for Norfolk State. I, I got to do half their schedule, did some road games, did some home games. And that was, that was a great experience in the CIAA back then. And, you know, that's where I really got kind of the itch for play by play. And then just kind of the weird way this business works. I kind of got taken down a different path for a long time doing mostly talk shows. So, and finally worked my way back to play by play, but yeah, I mean, you know, every time I talk about Norfolk and about ODU, my career, I I think about those times. I, I never felt worse in my life than when I was driving away from our house in Virginia Beach when I was moving to Jacksonville, Florida. And I'm thinking to myself, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> this place is great. I love it here. I don't want to leave, but I knew I needed to get to a, a pro sports market to kind of to kind of move forward. And, I, and I'm, I'm glad my wife stayed with me after that. We were very young in marriage and it was tough. We had a nice house, not you know, across the street from back in the day, Duck Inn in that area, down at Chesapeake Beach, Chicks Beach. And it was, you know, we had a lot of fun, but, you know, we, we went to Jacksonville. It was kind of leap of faith down there and, you know, I hit that about right. But yeah, I mean, it was 
it was always about broadcasting when I went there, even though, you know, I didn't necessarily probably have as, as big a plan as I probably should have going into the thing, but it ended up working out pretty good for me. That's awesome. You're not much older than me, so I remember. I remember all that. I remember some of the stuff at ODU that's not there anymore. Oh, yes. But this, speaking of that, what what were some of your favorite oh. places to hang out well, on okay, campus? Okay, so Mr. T's Tacos. My preview week was the first place I went to because they didn't card you on the way in, right? Like if you ordered an alcoholic <laughs> beverage, they did card you. Fortunately, I had an older brother, and we had the same terrible big no side profile, and I might have happened to have his license for a little while. But anyway, that's besides the point. Of course, you can't get in trouble now, right? The ABC license laws and stuff if you're closed, as, as Mr. T's is. But Mr. T's, I went there a lot. Went to 4400 Club like everybody else. There, of course, was Crazy Charlie's right there in the alley across from mm-hmm. Mr. T's and, you know, diagonal for 44. There was this place called Mugs that had very large beers, excellent cheesesteaks, and a pool table for whatever reason that was in the smallest area possible. I don't know how, the, like, there weren't more holes in the wall. It was so weird. And, you know, there was also uh, Friar Tucks. You had, you know, a couple, you know, just... Well, there's a couple other places that were like that kind of changed names over the years, you know, that were that were different as well. You know, Elbow Room was was one place and they changed it a few times to some other things. And then like by the time I came back after I left, obviously everything had flipped down the other direction, like I'm 49th in that area. And that's where Crazy Charlie was for a little while. And then it's obviously long gone. Obviously, 44 is long into the ground, although the pizza does live on. I don't know if you guys go to the teachers backstage, they, their locations, the pizza is like the same formula which is extra spicy i'm going to eat this and it's going to taste good after a few beers i'm going to want to drink more beer because it's so damn spicy and that was 44's recipe with pizza to make sure you were very hungry but you know those those are the those are the haunts back then i guess a little bit of king's head you know king's head had a lot of famous bands prior to when i was there you know they always said hey you two played here once you know i don't think so but whatever it was a good story i mean maybe they did i have no idea maybe bono's car if you say right. it enough it maybe their tour the bus truth. broke down and they had to go there and get a beer i'm not sure whatever but the smithereens i know when i was in college actually did play there a few others but those are the places and like on the back side of collie o'sullivan's wharf that was a sunday night place there was a poor guy there that used to play guitar by the name of Dave Carter. And one of my friends and I, Mike Martini, who worked at Wavy 10 for a long time, is now a big shot media mogul down in uh, in the Outer Banks. He and I used to, I don't know why, but we would have beer and nachos and decide to tell Dave Carter that he needed to play Turn the Page by Bob Seger. And, of course, Dave had no idea how to play it. And for four years, it was a running joke. We'd go there on Sundays and scream, play Turn the Page. And he would, he would come up during his break and go, you guys know I don't know that song. Why do you keep... And we're like, look, look, Dave, if we graduate, you know, in the next seven years, will you play Turn the Page? Will you learn it for us? And he's like, just write the damn lyrics down. If you guys should shut up, I'll play, you know. And, he, you know, he said it probably a little more colorfully than that. So finally, we got Dave Carter to play and sing Turn the Page for us, which was, was definitely a highlight of uh, my college career. So, but those, those are the places back then. And obviously, everything's completely different now. And, you know, a lot of people go to Granby Street when I go down for for different you know different weekends. We go down there, and we used to go down every once in a while to the. We definitely went to the beach a lot. Um, that was back when you could park on 86th Street and actually get into the wide part of the beach down there. Now the residents have wised up and said, "No, no, no, <laughs> no college kids on our beach. You can't bury kegs out here all night anymore and hang out." Not that we ever did anything like that. It would be trespassing, of course. But yeah, they don't they don't let you. They frown upon that these days. I, I see. But yeah, we used to go down to the you know beach every once in a while to bus trips, and they'd hit like three or four bars and, and, and come back, which was a lot of fun. Have a 
have a uh, bus thing. Like pe- people pay, you know, like 10 bucks or whatever to get on the bus to, to get down to those things. It was a lot of fun. Did, uh, you know, back when you were in school, what were some of your favorite moments sports wise at ODU? Well, I certainly remember and this, you know, and I've told Jeff Jones this to his face the night ODU beat Virginia at uh, the scope was, was one of the great nights. And that, that was a lot of fun. I was actually, I believe I was actually out of college at that point, but I was working down there and that was a lot of fun. And, you know, certainly that, I mean, all the James Madison games were big back in those days. The not so fun night was in my apartment on 49th when Kent Kaluko hit the, the shot in, in the CAA championship game. And I'm pretty sure me and my roommate might've thrown some things at the walls and maybe kicked over a coffee table. We were so ticked off at that, that happening. And that, that was, that was heartbreaking. But then the next year, you know, they got in, which was awesome. You know, when they beat Villanova, although again, I was just at college at that point, you know, working in the market, that, that was an awesome game. I still never forget that one. I had the pleasure of talking to Mike that, Jones a few weeks ago and we still talk about that and how Jeff Capel another, and I had forgotten about this. Jeff Capel was on one of these shows ahead of time, like ESPN had one of those shows, the coaches, they go pick your final four and they go through like your teams or whatever. And Jeff Capel says, Oh, to you and whatever. And they're like, Whoa, whoa. And they're like kind of laughing at him. He's like, yeah, I think my team, you know, you know, he's like kind of like ticked off that they'd even questioned that he thought his team was going to win or, or let alone go to the final four. But that's, you know, and Mike said him and the rest of the team really that jacked them up so much like that their coach was on national TV. People were kind of, making fun of him for picking his team to make a run. And he, they said they were so fired up. And he just remembers them saying, you know, Jeff, um, Cable saying to everybody, packing for, you know, three days. We're going to have two games. Then we're coming home. Then we'll get packed. And we're going to go to the Sweet 16. Obviously, they lost to Tulsa in the next round because they had, like, no legs left after that triple overtime went over Villanova. But, yeah, I mean, those are the ones that, that you know, jump out. I mean, I just remember – the years we were in the tournament, you know, going to 44, watching us get crushed by Kentucky <laughs> in the first round. But it was fun, you know, to go in to see it and stuff. And, you know, it was weird because we were in the Sun Belt the first two years I was I was in college. And now to kind of like it's like back to the future is pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, that game in 95, that, that was my first real introduction to Old Dominion. I didn't go to ODU. I went to Mary Washington for my undergrad. But that night, 95, me and a bunch of buddies were at this place called Mother's Public House. I think there was a rugby game earlier that day and, and folks are nursing at their wounds. And that whole bar was just crazy. Other kids in Fredericksburg were watching Old Dominion and just losing their yeah. minds. Yeah, and you think about that team. Um, they lost Odell Hodge, right? They didn't have Odell. He's their best player. And then to play the way they did. And, you know, like we always talk about Petey Sessoms, obviously, Mike Jones. But there's guys like Mario Mullen that played their asses off in that game, you know, that were lesser-known players. And it, it, that game is still fun. I, I caught it on a YouTube last year around, you know, March Madness time. And I, I started watching it. I was like, wow, I forgot about that. I remember this, Breon Dunlop, and he's coached and stuff. So it was, it, it is an awesome game. It still holds up over time. Yeah, a few years ago, I was at the Final Four, and Kerry Kittles was doing a appearance and signing. And whenever we're at the Final Four, everything wearing ODU every day. And I walked up, and he about he's like, <laughs> "Really, really, you're gonna come here with your ODU stuff?" And I'm still, I still have flashbacks to this day. It was it they was were picked funny. to be a Final Four team by a lot of folks that year. I mean, and people like really thought that that was a Villanova team that could make a deep run, and and obviously. To get knocked down the first round, it was, it was awesome for ODU. I just, it's a shame they couldn't have won that game in like two overtimes or one overtime 
and then had some legs for Tulsa because I actually think they they played they could have beaten Tulsa if they had they not been just so spent from that game. So we we just went through a lot of your favorite players at that period of time. So why don't we build on that and you can build your Mount Rushmore of ODU sports. Who are you putting there? Putting See, on you, there. I, you know, I have to go four, right? I mean, I have to be like a real Mount Rushmore. I can only go four. This makes it. You can make it as big as you want. <laughs> so, I mean, you could almost do. I was thinking about this when you guys told me that you want to ask me this. I was thinking about this. Like, you could almost do four with just the women's basketball team, right? Like, you could, like, over the history. Let's do it. Obviously, mm-hmm. and, you know, Ann Donovan, Nancy Lieberman, Tisha Panachero would like to be my first three off the top of my head. But then, if like we're doing it for all sports, if I'm just going to do four. I would, I would certainly still have Ann Donovan and Nancy Lieberman on it. I mean, more people I know that that are my generation, especially or older, say to me, "Hey, oh, you went to ODU? Oh, you know, Nancy Lieberman, and Ann Donovan. You know, like that's like the first thing that that comes to mind for them." Uh, I would also put Justin Verlander on it now. I mean, certainly, you know, he was after me, but been a huge impact and would be drafted that high and be as great of a pitcher as he is. I mean, I did well. I didn't feel that bad, but I did kind of feel a little bit bad when the Nationals, you know beat them in the World Series, you know, because, you know, some of those came at his expense. But at the same time, I wanted to see my team win the World Series. So I, I got him on there. And then for ODU, basketball's tough. So I, I wrestled with this for a little bit because you certainly, you know, could c- talk about, you know, Kenny Gaddison, Dave Twardzik, or obvious ones, Ronnie Valentine, guys like that. You know, Bay's more kind of a more recent-ish guy. But then, but then I go, man, Mark West, like Mark West was – he was an All-American, you know, candidate at the school. He was an All-Defensive performer, block shots leader, rebounder. They were like in two tournaments and two NITs, which back then NIT, you know, was very significant. Not, you know, it's not like the NCAA tournament was sixty-eight back then. So I'd say, I still think like Mark West, probably of all the people at ODU, and beyond just the basketball play. I mean, here's a guy who, as an African American male, was a you know assistant general manager in the league, like way ahead of a lot of other guys. You know, so I think like Mark West to me like represented the school, not only when he was there productive, but after the school. So if I had to pick one guy for the men's program, he would be it. And I would, like I said, Verlander. But football, I'm sorry, you know, it could easily I could easily throw a Heineke on it, but it's still just too new compared to the other sports. There's too many guys that have gone through it, and, and you know, I could certainly be, you know, I could see why people would go with Gaddison or Twardzik as well because of all their accomplishments, you know, at ODU and then beyond as well. But I, I think I would just get the nod to Mark West. So it's funny you mentioned that about the older fans and Nancy Lieberman. Me and Aaron were just in New Orleans. We had a chance to meet Carl Malone. Once he saw the ODU, it took him a second, and all he said was, Nancy Lieberman. And then he talked about how uh, his experiences with her and how great she is, and I think he helped her out with one of her dream courts in Dallas. So it was pretty cool to just – that was immediate, like Nancy Lieberman. She played with so much. Couldn't have flair. been more complimentary. She played with so much flair for her era, and that wasn't really a time like with guards. Now, a lot of the you know in the women's game, it's not surprising. Like, like Tisha obviously was that way as well, but Nancy was so far ahead of her time in terms of the way she was playing compared to other uh, other players, and that's the thing that I always remembered even before I even you know knew I'd go to you, right? Like I'd, I'd watch these games. I'm like, what is, it, what is she doing? You know, she's doing stuff none of these other women are doing out. This is incredible, you know. And, you know, obviously Ann Donovan was was a monster in the sport, you know, and it's, it's awful that she's no longer with us. I mean, she's a great player. And they had so much – I mean, they had so much achievement too, both of them. I mean, the teams were great. They were individually great. So, 
you know, when I went there, we didn't have the on-campus arena, right? We had the old the old gym that is now like souped up, is beautiful, and it's got that great. My son went on a campus. My oldest son several years ago, he ended up going to George Mason, and I remember going in that thing, and I was like, my wife and I both went to ODU, and was where we met and everything. And we're looking at this, we're like, this is not the is this the gym we used to go to? Like this doesn't even look like the same place. Like there was like this weird track above you to walk around. But the only thing that was really significant about that arena was all the women's you know banners and the men's division two championship banner you know and, and it wasn't like a really great place it was like you know there was like three courts like next to each other a lot of intramural sports are going on there and then they finally built a basketball only facility at that time you know it was right in the jason park a lot obviously they've repurposed that into something else now and, and everything's across the other side of uh, hampton boulevard now for the men's and the women's but it's you know those two players they're like you know if you really go back in the history of it and look at achievement and like you know what the as a, individuals and players, I mean, it's hard to beat the those two when it comes to Nancy Lieberman and Donovan. No, we definitely enjoy watching the highlights. I, I obviously I wasn't around ODU when any of them were playing, but it was fabulous when Nancy and Jay Harris came down in the fall to talk with the women's program and and everything, and they're so engaging with with the school still to this point. Let's let's shift gears a little bit so. You know, now you're doing a lot of stuff, and one of the the main things where I've heard a lot is doing post game for the Washington or whatever we are now, well, football team, <laughs> Commanders, Commanders. Right, I, right, I right. didn't even know it changes well, all the com- time. I've never done a Washington Commanders post game <laughs> show yet, guys. I've done Washington Redskins and Washington football team, but yeah, I have not done the Washington Commanders post game show yet. But yeah, since the uh, the name change, it has been it's taken some u- getting used to, and I, I found myself recently because I'm doing a lot of talk shows. You know, it's coming more natural each time. But it's a very big name. It it is a, a, a big big name, and I, for I've been a diehard fan of that franchise since I was like four years old, growing up in this area. And obviously, Mike and I are diehard Old Dominion right. fans, and we love ourselves some Taylor Heineke. So, can you talk a little bit about you know in the last year plus? With the Heineken mania that's going on, starting starting with that playoff game down in Tampa and kind of how it flowed through this year. Well, you know, I, especially as the ODU yeah, fan. So the, t- the playoff game la- it really started with the Carolina game last year, right? And unfortunately, it was the COVID year, you know, 2020 season, you know, and there was no fans. So he comes in in that game, right, you know, in the fourth quarter with nine minutes left and two quick scoring drives. And unfortunately, they, they don't get the ball the next time to, to maybe to win that game or steal that game at that time. And it would have locked up the playoff spot if they had won the game that day. Instead, they end up losing, but you also see, wow, this kid immediately is better than Dwayne Haskins. <laughs> and he's been, like, at ODU taking math classes, and he's got a better grasp of the playbook and has got, you know, a bigger set of cojones in terms of, you know, what Alex Smith was doing, you know, throwing the football down the field. And you're like, wow. And obviously Chase Young's, you know, yelling high in the key, and he's pointing and going crazy and dapping him up, but you know, during the breaks. And, of course, I think it's like the next week they end up cutting Haskins after that birthday party debacle or whatever it is. And so it's like Taylor's, you know, literally a, you know, a heartbeat away, as they say, you know, from being the guy again. And then Alex has another, you know, he just can't get back on the field. <clears throat> you know, after that Eagles game, when they clinched the playoffs, he just couldn't get well that week. And kind of knew Taylor was going to get the start against the Buccaneers uh, at FedEx Field. You know, unfortunately, again, no fans. I mean, I can only imagine what it would have been like had there been fans there, how crazy it would have been. And he makes the, the dive for the end zone. And, you know, just he played just, you know, again, gutsy you know and then a lot of us wondered and Ron Rivera wondered in the offseason well if he ever got a chance to play long term could he keep the style up could he stay healthy you know could he handle it the wear and tear of a season 
Well, I don't think Ron Rivera had that in mind that it was going to happen literally in the second quarter of week one that they were going to start to find those things out, right? So Taylor ends up playing, you know, doesn't start that week, obviously misses a game due to COVID as well, you know, with the, with the Cowboys game, or excuse me, at the Eagles game, rather, when they have to bring in, you know, Garrett Gilbert and that, and that crazy situation. But, you know, plays most of the season. I mean, there were some stretches during the year where he did some magical thing. You know, I think definitely as the season went on, Team's kind of figured out him. He kind of got into some bad habits, you know, locking in on people. His arm strength is definitely, you know, it's definitely an issue for, for sure. And that's why, obviously, they went out and, and tried to upgrade the position. But I'll say this. I mean, you can never be worried. Like, he's going to go in the game. He's going to be ready like he was in the Chargers game in week one. If he's coming off a bench, uh, you know, he's going to be ready. He knows the playbook. He's not going to be scared. Players love him. Teammates love him. And that's the one thing that could be dicey with, with Wentz, right? Like, Wentz got caught up in this thing in Philly where the team really gravitated towards, you know, Jalen Hurts. And he's coming into a locker room that really likes Taylor. And I think guys understand, you know, they, they can be better at that position. But at the same time, if Wentz doesn't do his job and doesn't, you know, make some connections early on and off the field, I mean, this could be one of those things that, you know, you hear whispers about as the season goes on. If it doesn't work out, I mean, this, you know, Colt McCoy, was always the, one of the most popular guys in the locker room when he was here uh, as the backup. You know, he, he really connected with players and, you know, was more of a dude than Kirk Cousins was. And, you know, you'd hear a lot of this stuff. Now, that being said, you know, I, th- I don't think Taylor's going to be some disruptive pain in the ass or anything like that. I think he's one of these guys that's going to do what you need him to do. And he's not afraid about it. I'll never forget the last game we did, the, you know, this year, week 17 or, excuse me, 17th game, beat the Giants. And we are literally having this conversation on the air right before he comes on about, you know, they're going to go after a quarterback. I mean, it was pretty obvious. I mean, Rivera hadn't committed to Taylor and had kind of, you know, said enough that you knew he wasn't committed to Taylor going in the offseason. Me and Doc Walker are talking about it the last postgame show. And Taylor's on hold. And, you know, I just said, hey, look, there's all this talk about this. And, you know, it wasn't like his feelings were hurt. It wasn't, you know, he wasn't one of these guys. He goes, yeah, I get it. It's been my story. (laughs) You know, it's like been my story, you know, and he wasn't afraid of anything. And, you know, he shared some stuff with us that he'd like to do if he got a chance to play, you know, if he is the starter again, that he wants to do more of and, you know, like to run a little bit more, maybe some design runs, which, you know, Scott Turner kind of stayed away from. And I think part of that was preservation when they realized, man, we got no depth here, right? Like, you know, Kyle Allen's, you know, not really himself this year, you know, they end up playing again. It's not a good prescription to play four quarterbacks in a season, you know, back-to-back years is which they've done. And they've done it multiple times in the last four years, which is terrible, but, so I, I think, you know, his place of the roster solid, got himself a good contract off of that playoff game and that game against Carolina. It just shows you, like, being ready and, you know, all the things that you say in sports that sound cliche and lame, oh, be ready, you know, be, you know, be accountable and all these things. It does matter. And, you know, even if he never starts again in the NFL, I think he showed that he's more than capable of it. I think there had he not been signed through this year, I think there would have been a market for him out there. But I, I'm, I'm glad he's here. I, I think I would have no problem seeing him start games again if, for stretches if something happens to Wentz next season. So I, I think they feel good about it. I think the coaches know him well. And he, he was smart to, you know, when he picked this spot to come back, found the coaches that believed in him, which Scott Turner definitely does. Good deal. Hey, you know, since we're on football, you know, ODU, obviously we brought football back in 2009. You know, it had been shuttered for almost 70 years. I know you're a football fan. We've we've talked a lot about it. We've tailgated together. You know, it's how excited were you when ODU brought football back in 2009 
when we played that first game against Shawan. I mean, it was weird because, like, when we were in college, we had this dream that, like, there was going to be football someday. And it was like a joke in the Mason Crown. Like, every week they would do these fake football stories. My friend of mine, Kevin Broom, used to write them. And, like, the team went undefeated, beat USC in the championship. But I think had to forfeit all their games in the end because somebody was ineligible or something. It was just some farce thing they would do every week. It was really funny. <laughs> Me and my friends would get a kick out of it. We'd read it and joke about it. And the year before, there had been a fundraiser for a while. Like, the student fees, I think, were raised by, like, five bucks to get the seed money to get football started then it like basically the rug got pulled from under us you know before we even got to canvas say now we're never gonna be football here you know go to virginia tech and virginia on the weekends kids or whatever they told us i don't know anyway so it was kind of like we'd given up on it and then i was in i was in carolina at the time when it when it announced it was coming back I was working in the raleigh area and that year they i don't know if it was that year or the next year they played campbell campbell college down there in booze creek and i went to the game it was a lot of fun. One of my buddies did Campbell football at the time, and it was just weird, man. Like, I'm, I'm at the game, and here's ODU rolling in, you know, and it's just like, we have a football team. This is so bizarre. And I'm living in North Carolina, which is also bizarre, <laughs> and, and and watching it. And then I eventually got up to games, you know, still was the form of field at the time, which was a lot of fun. I, I was at Heineke's last college game as well. You know, that, that was great. And, you know, I, I was one of the people, I was probably in the minority at the time, but I kind of wanted them to stick it out in the CAA a little bit longer. I was kind of hoping for an FCS title or two, you know, kind of like Madison. I, I wanted to see a little bit of that. I understand why they jumped to the CUSA. You know, there's a lot of money, a lot of reasons to do it. And, and clearly it didn't work out the way they hoped or they wouldn't be doing what they're doing now, right? I mean, they wouldn't be making the move to the Sun Belt. But it's been great. I mean, I, I, I'll say this. It's probably kept me in touch with more people because I'm not sure – you know, and I love basketball, you know, as much as any sport. I mean, I, I love college basketball, pro basketball, I like doing it. And I don't know, like, if we'd get the same amount of people that I've known in the past that I would run into, you know, if there was just a basketball weekend homecoming or what have you. But the football definitely brings more people back to campus. And even people that maybe don't really follow it and, you know, really hardcore, but they'll show up for the, for the homecoming weekends or whatever weekends, alumni weekends, what have you, during football season to tailgate and stuff. And, and I, and it's kept me in touch with people probably from college that I might've lost touch with, right. If we didn't have the football to come back to. So it's been great. And plus, you know, when we beat Virginia tech, I got to give my brother a hard time, which was really cool. Cause he's a Hokie. So that, that was great. <laughs> That's awesome. We yeah, always like to, hopefully you can give him a little bit more. I'm hopeful. This year, I'm hopeful, so. man. That would be, that would be awesome. That'd be a hell of a way to start the season. Would it? Absolutely. And you know, campus, it's going to have a buzz around it on that. Oh, I should. And, you know, it's it's cool that – and I give Virginia Tech credit because you could say, like, they could take the route like a lot of the schools do with those kind of games. They're like, nah, there's nothing to gain here. We're not doing it. You know, they, they could be babies about it. But they're not. You know, they play it. Now, granted, there's there's a benefit for them to be in 757, <laughs> you know, and have the, that, that recruiting tie. And, and, you know, both of them and Virginia, you know, they've been a little bit more committed to the Virginia. Virginia's now obviously, you know, reciprocating as well. But – it's cool that they're doing that for us. Now, I wish they'd do it in basketball a little bit more often. You know, it'd be nice to play UVA, right? It'd be nice to play Tech. I mean, Seth Greenberg basically at one point just said he stopped like stopped playing us because there was no upside, he said. You know, and you hate that kind of when it happens. But, you know, I, I, I do appreciate the fact that, you know, Virginia Tech has, has had us on the schedule and, and we're on future schedules and those kind of things. And obviously, you think you would figure now with the relationships with all those Penn State guys – you know, that it'll be strong. Of course, they stole from our staff and all that, and all those things. And there's there's a friendship and respect there, but I know those guys are really competitive. So it's cool. And, you know, I got this, Ricky Ronnie um, has been up to, you know, up this area doing some barnstorming stuff. I got to meet him prior to any of the games up here at uh, Country Club in Vienna, Westwood Country Club. 
and he was very nice. And I had actually interviewed him the year before the day he was hired or the day he was introduced at uh, ODU Richmond. I think we had him on it during the game in the second half. And he was, he was, he was a cool guy and he just sat with us and, he, you know, during the game, the flow of it, and it was a lot of fun talking to him on the air at the time. And I'm glad, you know, he was able to turn the season around because obviously it was a tough start and, you know, you know, sports are cool, man, because you can improve, right? Like you're not as, you're not the same team every week. Um, and certainly not the same team from week right. one to week 12 or whatever, you know, in the season. So even though they didn't win their bowl game, I thought it was a great year. I just, I just loved it. I just love the way they've battled and they stayed in it and they didn't, you know, they didn't let the the losing pile up on it because they lost some games like earlier. Like, oh my God. <laughs> you know, like, this, like the Buffalo game. You're like, yes, you got them all the way back just to lose like that. It was so frustrating, but you know, they stuck with it. That was great. It says a lot about the staff and the character of the kids and the, and the coaching staff to, to keep the, the guys engaged throughout the whole year too. So I got a couple comments on that. So cre- definitely credit to Virginia Tech, but they might need even more credit because this year they agreed to the Friday night game. So that recruiting yeah. benefit, they're not even going to yeah, get right. this yeah. year. They're not, yeah. they're not going to go out and scout and they're not going to be able to host all those recruits on the field. So major props for them yeah. to, to agree to that. On top of that, the football team, you could see that improvement week to week before the yep. wins even came. Uh, the defense was just – I don't think I've ever seen ODU defense That's that hit that That's a great thing because you, know you guys know following it, that was kind of the revolving door position, right, with, with Bobby was here. It was like every year it was like, all right, yeah. we're trying to fix the defense, trying to fix the defense. And it just didn't ever seem to work. But that, that group, you're right, they were like the stalwarts throughout the season, uh, even when the wins weren't racking up. It was impressive. Yeah, last season, last season, and I've had season tickets since day one. Last season was the first time that sitting in the stands, you could feel the hits. Like, it's just, it was on a different level where you're like, oh my God, that kid may have just lost his head. I mean, (laughs) there was a significant difference that even an untrained fan, if they watch two games, they could tell the difference. Well, you come a long way from when I was there and we just had Oyster Bowl and it was like William and Mary and Elon or Citadel and VMI or, or whatever it was. I mean, we had like some of the most lamest games ever, you know, the, the Oyster Bowl back then. And, but we loved it because, well, it was a reason to tailgate and, and act like an idiot and be in college. So it was great. Uh, but these kids, they, I hope they respect it. It seemed like this year the games that I went to, homecoming, and, you know, obviously the end of the year when it was a big deal because it was winter – Winter go home basically or stay home i should say that you know they were they were they were engaged and they were into it they're having a lot of fun so that that was cool and you know it's like i said i, I love it because it's brought you know it's kept people in my life that maybe you know we wouldn't have kept in touch so with football we know the conference moved to some belts coming up um how do you think that new conference will impact the program i mean it should forward? help the profile clearly it's gonna help recruiting it's gonna be competitive right they're gonna be really good i mean there's some really good teams down there and you know, look, we're in a new world in college sports. I mean, I, I go through this uh, transfer portal stuff every day with, with basketball. I mean, it's men's and women's, by the way. I mean, look at the Maryland program, which is a national power. They're getting hit pretty big on this thing. And, you know, let's be real. I mean, name, image licensing is a big part of all this stuff that's going on. And those teams in the South, they play by different rules. They're a little bit further ahead than we are in terms of the name, image, image licensing, you know. Like say the, the SEC schools, it just means more, you know, so they got more money. And, you know, in this particular case, you know, there's some schools down there that have been added a little bit longer. Louisiana seems to have it really wired. Obviously they've lost their coach this year. We'll see how they pick up from there. App State, you know, they're the little plucky school that, that knocked off Michigan, but they become more than that. Coastal Carolina, which 
Man, oh, man. I mean, I loved going to ODU, and I loved uh, every minute I had there. But had I known about Coastal Carolina, I don't know, man. It would have been a coin toss. That place, I drove by that when I was in Myrtle like ten, like eight, ten years ago. I'm like, what the hell is this? So Coastal Carolina, my God, this is right near Myrtle Beach. This is crazy. So, I mean, and then now they got a good sports program to go with it, and they're – Josh Norman sports facility. So, you know, that, that's cool. You know, I, I think you just have more natural rivalries. Obviously, Madison's going to come in. Of course, JMU people, you know how they are. They think they're just going to rock the world. They think, oh, yeah, this is like the CAA. And I keep telling them, I was like, yeah, I used to think that too. You know, before we had the Conference USA, I thought, oh, this would be easy. It's a little different. It's a little different. We'll see. Marshall, you know, they've been a traditional program forever. So I just think it raises, hopefully, again, you know, it'll raise everybody up. But it's going to be competitive. I mean, it's going to definitely be, you know, competitive. Not to say the Conference USA wasn't challenging in its own way, but this is definitely different level. I think, obviously, from the financial part of it, from why the school did it, it makes a lot more sense. I'm glad to see they jumped in on soccer this week, which is great because, you know, ODU's had some good programs over the years. So that that's cool that they're going to be able to keep doing that. And I think for baseball, it's really wild, right? Like that could be really good for them too. And basketball, you know, basketball is the tough one. It's hard to say. It's maybe – I don't want to say it's this. It's just the same because it's better because the travel and some of the other things we just talked about. But it has been kind of stuck in the one bid league mode, much like CUSA. So yeah. that, that's. But their RPI and stuff, their numbers, their metrics have been better clearly in the Sun Belt than they have been in Conference USA. So that's that's the one that you know it's kind of the wait and see. I'll say this: I'd much rather go to Pensacola than Jerry World, you know, practice facility for a tournament. That's for dang sure. Well, you're welcome to go with that. us because I'm all in on Pensacola. Yeah, I love that, man. <laughs> I love me some Maguire's. Yeah, I see that. <laughs> so I'd, I'd say the RPI thing, it, it could flip in CUSA's direction, having fewer True. teams. Right. You're not going to be as impacted right. by the uh, bottom feeders of the league. But having more rivals in the conference yeah. play – I think it's going to be beneficial to get into the students back into the TED. And yeah, you can drive energize. to games. Yeah, drive right to now, games. Like drive to a road game. Think about that, guys. I mean, having road games are really drivable in the past. You know what I really like for the Sun? What I really would have loved to see the Sun Belt do is bring East Carolina back. Like that would have been awesome. And, you know, who knows? I mean, who knows where we are in 10 years with all these sports? I mean, with all these conferences, crazy. But but East Carolina, when they were in the league, that was a good – that was a nice little rivalry. And seeing baseball beat them the other night was so awesome because, you know, over the years, basketball, that was a big deal. And, that was, and then when they – you know, I always thought that that was just a natural thing because it's very drivable and, you know, similar type of schools, to you know, two groups of fan, uh, student fans that like to have a lot of fun. So that's, you know, good party school reputations over the years. Yeah, I think having those games during actual school yes. periods will be huge. Right now, when we play VCU, JMU, it's usually yeah. during the holidays or during the finals, and these students are picking between seeing their family and coming to the TED or making the trip to Harrisonburg. So we're going to rejuvenate the student section of the TED. Yeah, that's key. I mean – I think it's a great opportunity. I know I'm excited. Everyone we've talked to has been super excited about this transition. There's been a lot of transition, gosh, in the last six, seven years or so, conference-wise and everything. The one thing, fortunately, that we haven't transitioned is we continue to play VCU every year. I know when Mike and I were down in the Final Four, Shaka Smart was doing an appearance and signing and so we walked up and of course we have already here on and his face lit up i was shocked i mean i really was his face lit up and off to he's okay so he's on the stage off to his left darius theus who you know is an assistant 
assistant there, or at VCU, yep. still played for Shaka. I think at least I'm pretty sure he played for Shaka. I don't think it was uh, I don't think it was Will Wade at the time, but he's like, hey, Darius, you got to get up here on stage. You got to take oh, a picture so with cool. these guys. And uh, so we were actually talking with, with, with Darius, and he was talking about, we started talking, just talking about the rivalry and the teams playing each other. And it was interesting to hear his perspective on how important that rivalry still is. Yes. And, you know, obviously you've got a perspective on that. I mean, you've been doing television play-by-play for VCU for, I think, since 2018. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. I mean, it's... So um, I, I, it, it, one of these weird things. So 2018, just to go backwards for a second, in, in August, our the radio station, Team 980, was sold to Radio 1. They cut half our staff. They didn't want to be a union station so they got rid of most of us so i kind of knew it was coming for a few months with this sale that you know i'm gonna be on the freelance world which you know was kind of exciting also kind of scary but you know one of the things i I said to myself was look now that you have this time you're not locked into you know noon like back then i was doing one to four every day you know you have the ability now to kind of pick your schedule let's get let's find a way to get back into play by play i'd done some caa football for csn before that i'd done some you know a lot of, like to some high school basketball i hadn't done college basketball in a while and i just want to get back into it so <clears throat> i was one of the first things i did was call a lot of the local state schools nobody had anything everything was spoken for had had a conversation with the guy at vcu robbie robinson he's like yeah you know we got a guy but yeah you know you know it's cool you know some of your stuff you know you never know and literally the never you never know thing changed in a week like in a week he's like Okay, remember when I talked? Like our, our guy's leaving. Jay Burnham's gone to UMass. Can you? I need somebody to do these at least the first three games. So basically, he's telling me hey, I got ten games, but I'm only giving you the first three to see if you're worth a crap, right? So I'm like, all right, that's cool. I get it. So I did the first game. Uh, I don't even know if I left the arena. And he's like, hey man, you got the rest of them if you want them. So I guess somebody was paying attention during the game and told him it was it was it was okay. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. And then one of the games was ODU VCU. So we're coming up to that week. I'm just getting to know people around there, obviously. And, you know, I sit with Mike Rhodes and it's before uh, they're going to make the trip to Norfolk and, you know, before one of the games. And I said, oh, that's cool. And I go, yeah, that's going to be interesting. And I go, you know, I did go to ODU. And he's like, ah, that's cool. You know, and he's like, you know, I know Jeff, you know, we were in the, we're in the conference. I was, when I was at Rice, you know, we're just kind of talking, shooting stuff. And then, so we go down to do the game, you know, ODU people couldn't have been nicer to me, you know, rolling out the red carpet, you know, here's, here's the, you're gonna do the game with Feinstein and you know and I knew I was an alum and obviously it was it was cool so you know and Jeff had for years when he was an American listened to team 980 or sports talk 980 back then and ESPN 980 and you know was was a serious DC sports fans so we probably spent more time talking about the Nationals than we did the the matchup uh, the first time I was talking to him and anyway you know he's poor mouth in his own team saying how they can't rebound this year which was true at the time you know it wasn't like totally doing and how you know VCU was on a roll at that point Marcus Evans was having a really good year so I tell Rhodes, you know, I was like, look, they're, they're not rebounding. Well. He's, like, he's like, wait, wait, stop. I don't want to hear this. <laughs> he goes, all I know about ODU is they're going to rebound. They're going to be tough. If we're not tough, we're going to get our butts kicked. You know, he's like, like Rhodes is like, I don't want to hear it. No, he didn't, he didn't want to hear any of it. He's like, look, this is the game every year. It's, you know, it's a tough game. It's a hard game. It's an important game still. And, he's, and I go, still rivalry? He goes, absolutely. He's like, this is my guy who I did TV with at the time at the VCU games, this guy, Rob, Rodney Ashby, who played at VCU does the radio color analyst guy. He, he played for Sonny Smith back in uh, the old days in the Metro. 
And he used to say his favorite game and the most important game to him every year was ODU. And it still is that way in his mind. A lot of the VCU fans say the same thing. ODU game is still the biggest deal. I mean, they're, they're kicking ODU, you know, this year, even though they're not playing after they played ODU, there's, you know, anytime ODU loses, they're celebrating on Twitter still. I mean, so <laughs> things like that. And we do the same thing to them, right? Like ODU fans do. They always come at me like, ah, VCU, you, 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 you bum, you, you know, your ODU guy doing VCU. I'm like, look, hey, they're paying me to do it. And they're great. And they're wonderful to me. I mean, I, and I really respect the program. I like so many, you know, I like so many parts of that. And it's very similar schools. They kind of have the similar mentality, like, hey, we're overlooked in the state because of Virginia, Virginia Tech, and they got a chip on their shoulder, just like ODU fans do and ODU players. So I think it's kind of cool. And I remember going to those games for one for a long stretch. We played those games in Hampton at the Coliseum, and like because it was between, right? And the VCU fans had come in there, man, and they were tough. I mean, it was like they were like Steeler fans. They're black and gold, and they they'd take over. And like I'm doing a few VCU road games these last few years, and I see the same thing. They just show up at the arena like this year. They took over at George Mason, and it's like this is what I remember. Like I, got, I like had like flashbacks of being at college with like uh, VCU fans would, would roll in, and they, they still like look at that as a big deal. Play at ODU, beating ODU, and obviously vice versa. You know, but it is different because you're not in the same conference, and it's not you know as much leverage. You know, and like you guys said, it's early in the year, but it still matters to them quite a bit. And, you know, many people as I run to run into either at VC or at ODU that had like crossed over at, at both schools. Right. And Kevin McLaughlin was at, at ODU at one point and, you know, was working at ODU. And then like other people that went to grad school at VCU, but went to undergrad at ODU or vice versa or they work at the schools. It's really funny. And I think, you know, a lot of it, a lot of it stems from a guy, obviously the rivalry over the years, but also they kind of always felt like they were in, the, in, the, in that prove-it-to-you mode, right? Like, as, as a college that wasn't Virginia, Virginia Tech, in the state. And uh, I think that's what's kind of made it a cool, like, the more the blue-collar schools, as I like to call them, of, of the of the schools over the years. I just, you know, it's a shame they can't be in the same conference anymore in basketball. But, you know, I'm happy they're at least doing it once a year. And they're making a big deal, and, and I think the coaches understand it, and, and the players certainly, you know, get into it. I, I was lucky enough to do the game in 2018 – when ODU beat him with Caver and Stiff. And I'll be honest with you, the first time out, man, I, you know, I was like, it's another game. I've done games, no big deal. I was worn out like the first time out. Like I'm like freaking hyperventilating practically. At 10, I'm like, my God, this is, you know, like, because like, I was so conscious of like, hey, look, you went to ODU, you, you're working for BC, you know, like in, in this game, you're supposed to be down the middle, which I usually was anyway. And I just, you know, and, and of course I was catching crap you know, from ODU friends, catching crap for the VCU folks. I, you know, friends of mine, just go, oh, yeah, you seem like you were a little bit more excited when Stiff knocked the three down, you know, and then one of my buddies says, did you really have to get all excited when Marcus <laughs> Evans hit that 35-footer? I'm like, yeah, because it was freaking exciting. Yes, it was, you know, because that's kind of how I roll. If I see something exciting, it doesn't really matter who's doing it. But anyway, it, it was funny. And then the next year they played up at, at Siegel Center, which was a good game for a bit, and it was a game with Curry and uh, Bones Highland. The two Delaware kids were going after each other pretty good. And that one, and the VCU won. But it's, you know, it's it's always a fun game, but it sucks the last couple of years. The stupid networks have stolen it from us, as I like to say. Every time, like this year, the game was supposed to be a local game on Channel 3 in Norfolk, and then out of nowhere, who the hell knew Stadium still existed, by the way? I mean, I had no idea Stadium was still a thing. And then out of nowhere, they had this game on, you know, and you got to log onto your computer to watch it. And it's, you know, and it's not on TV, but oh, I was so annoyed. But, you know, hopefully, you know, it'll line up next season. We'll see. Well, that's one thing I'm excited about moving away from of having, not knowing, oh, this game's on Facebook, <laughs> it's on Stadium, it's right, on right. 
thank God not Flow Sports. Right. Oh, the worst. Uh, just, uh, you know, Conference USA TV, so forth. Yes, but gas station TV. <laughs> hey, so in your contract with VCU, do they check you to make sure you don't have ODU gear underneath your suit when you're broadcasting? They, have, they haven't done that to me yet, uh, luckily. <laughs> but no, they're, they're great. Like I said, it's, it's a lot of fun doing those games. And they've been really good. And unfortunately, because they're good, uh, a lot of their games get sucked up by national TV, right? So you know, we, we, we don't have as many opportunities. But this year, was, I think it was about a 10-game uh, TV thing, and I did one radio for them. Me and Robbie flipped out, flip over for one game, which is fun just to do the radio. Uh, to stay sharp doing that since, you know, it's weird. I'm, here my, I'm a radio guy, you know, mainly in, in broadcasting world, and, I, and I'm doing mostly TV play-by-play. So it's it's been kind of like a flip-flop in that regard. But, yeah, I mean, it – They've, you know, we had a lot of good games. I mean, the first game of the season I did this year was against St. Peter's. So I got to, you know, Shaheen Holloway and, and the VCU people were telling me, they're like, look, this is going to be a really good team. This team's going to win their conference. It's probably going to be in the tournament. Chattanooga was another early game. Team, v, you know, VCU beat St. Peter's. They lost to Chattanooga. And then Wagner was another early game, which was a team that was really close to making the tournament. They had an excellent out-of-conference schedule. So I saw a lot of these teams that I ended up seeing in March, which was kind of cool. And got a feel for them. But, you know, I, I remember we, we did – uh we always talk to the opposing coach, you know, in addition to Mike Rhodes. And I was thinking, this Shaheen Holloway guy, man, this, this guy's got a little something about him. Like, you know, he's not like you're, you know, a lot of these coaches, they just kind of go through the motions with you. And then they're always like a little leery, like, well, he's working, he's doing the VCU broadcast. You know, like I'm going to like steal state, state secrets or something from him, you know. And it was, you know, just trying to get to know the players, his philosophy. And it's really a story you want to tell for them. I'm like, you, you, you know, I try to treat both teams the same. You know, like you want to, I know the VCU story, you know, because I'm there all the time, but you know, you still, there's something a little different each week. You want to find out from the coaches, you know, things that might happen to practice. That's, you know, interesting uh, storytelling and about the players and same thing with the opposing team. It's like, you're only hurting yourself if you're going to come in here and, and you want to fight me on information. Cause then I'm going to have nothing to give when we're got the downtime of the game to talk about your program. You know, it's like, you know, one of, one of the guys I've worked with always used to say to the coach, say, give me your elevator pitch, right? Give me your elevator pitch in your program. And that's a good point, you know? Cause this is what it is, man. We're, we're, we're out here. We're promoting the sport. We're, we're promoting it. Usually we like to think good games and, you know, help us out a little bit. You know, you know, your players, you know, your personnel better than we do. Let us get it across the audience. So I'm always appreciative of the guys that understand that. And she and Holloway totally got it. He was great. And, you know, that was fun to watch St. Peter's make that run. And, you know, I figured he was going to go back to the alma mater. I, I can, Hey, look, man, everybody can understand that you get a chance to go home, you know, and if somebody, offers you that you can't be mad at him for doing it so i have a feeling he's going to see a few of those kids <laughs> pretty soon again too because they all jumped those three guys jumped through the portal pretty fast yeah i agree doug eater i saw his yep. name hit the, yep. hit the portal quick. first thought was oh he's yep. going to yep. seat hall yeah that happened that happened very quickly all right so we've talked about the odu vcu rivalry we've talked about you working for vcu when you're when you've done games of, you haven't done games of both yet, have you? No, I've done yeah, I've you? done the ODU games. So I did two years ago, or no, excuse me, three. No, was it 2019? Did two ODU games. 2019-2020 season was the uh, James Madison game, the Malik Curry game winner okay. that wasn't a game winner that I called <sighs> a game winner. You can go find it, and luckily corrected myself pretty quickly to say, wait, wait, we're going to replay. But I, I kind of like as they like the kids like to say, you know, let. You know, I went through the, I really let it go. I definitely emptied the clip on the call and, you know, it would have been, you know, I was, and I was joking around with some people. I said, like, I should probably just put it on, 
my highlight reel anyway, because how many people are going to actually go back and fact check to see if it didn't get off before the buzzer and call me out on it? I don't know. Anyway, it, it was great. And then the other one was Grant Golden, you know, hitting the two, hitting the hitting the J with like, I don't know, it was like one, two seconds left beating ODU as well. So then Jeff Jones made the comment to me that maybe I should stop doing games there because they had lost two in a row and they would actually start it pretty fast that year. So anyway, so I was like, well, thanks a lot. And so... Yeah, I've, I've, so, I've, so I've done three or four, no, three games at the TED over the last four seasons. This, the last two seasons, we haven't done anything. We're supposed to do like it was locked in. It looked like, like I said, that VCU uh, game, and then and the suckers from Stadium stole it away. I think Mike is happy that he doesn't have to see Grant Golden play again after what nine, ten seasons. So they put so out a, like they put there. out a on April first. They put out a tweet that Grant Golden's coming back for another year. Their basketball department it was freaking hilarious. I mean, because that's the joke, right? It's like oh, this guy's been here forever, and like what people forget is like his first year he had like a heart condition, right? He passed out on the floor, and so he like didn't play at all. And then obviously the COVID years, so there's how you get to six years. But anyway. He's a good kid, man. I, I, I like him a lot. His, him and his uh, brother played up in Hagerstown at, at a, you know, up in that area. And I know their coach, who's now this guy named Dan Preed, who coaches at Bishop Walsh, which is in Cumberland, Maryland. And I had actually done a game with him at Alhambra Catholic Invitational, the championship game between DeMatha and PVI. And then literally on that month after is when Richmond had just made the run at the ATN tournament up here in D.C., and so I got to interview him on that Monday, and I told him, you know, about working with his high school coach and everything. But I, he, he, you know, like a 10, 12 minute interview with the kid. I thought he's, granted, he's more mature than most because you mentioned he's a little bit older, but he's very good on the air. And, you know, that team was kind of frustrating this year, you know, watching them because you knew they were better than that. And kind of like, same deal with St. Bonaventure, who had a lot more hype going into the year because of their previous year. But, you know, Richmond probably got hosed on a NCAA bid two years ago with COVID, I think they would have been an NCAA tournament team. And, you know, so, you know, they really had some unfinished business and, you know, Jacob Gilliard's great player. And, you know, they, they, they just, they played lights out that night against VCU and knocked them out in the first round. And that cost VCU a bit. Cause I think if VCU got to Saturday, I think they would have been in as an at large, but uh, the Richmond team, you know, it's, they got a, they got a lot of holes to fill though. Now that's what, that's going to be wild. I mean, to see how they kind of recoup, what they've lost because they've lost a lot and they're in the book like a lot of schools are like that right now too yeah the portal's oh, going nuts so with siegel center and the ted how different is it working in both of those well I, i've worked at siegel center obviously more i mean we're you know both are courtside which is great I, I like the the views of both you know siegel center you know this is the first year i've done games there there weren't well well in covid year obviously when there was 200 people or whatever it was but it was weird this year because it wasn't sold out like it had been in the past there's a couple you know different theories on why that happened one of which of course was covid people still concerned about it. the other one was people that were mad that they had to wear masks indoors still even though they didn't in other places and i you kind of lifted it before or at least maybe they weren't following it as closely at that time i don't know because i know people that went down to that game and go yeah they don't have to wear my odu why are we wearing them here i'm like i i don't know i don't make the rules but uh, you know there was there was a lot of that going on a little back and forth on that and i think you know it was it was too bad because it was a team that that had a really good season um you know, I, w- I would have liked to seen it filled filled up a little bit more. There were some games towards the end of the year with the national TV games when I was out of the mix from doing the play by play, where they did you know do very well and had had you know close to sell out, close to capacity again. But the place really rocks. I mean, see, I have like a weird perspective. So like the ODU games I've been able to do weren't the CUSA games, right? When the attendance may not have been as high. So like the games I did are pretty good, you know, like the VCU game obviously was a packed house, was wild, felt great in there, and then the Richmond game was a pretty good pretty good environment too and madison you know even the madison game was 
was, uh, you know, people hate Madison still down there, as you guys know. It's funny after all those years. So, you know, those are the games I did. And, you know, bo- both buildings had their pros and cons, I would say. I mean, Siegel Center, I always feel like I'm about to kick this kick the t- TV off the air because there's like uh, my feet are by cords and stuff like that. Um, it's got a, kind of a weird spot that where I sit in, but it's a great seat. I mean, we're right at midcourt, you know, and ODU puts us right, you know, same spot. It's, you know, it's the best thing about doing the game. Sometimes you're like, all right, you can't be a fan. You actually have to call what you're seeing. You can't just sit there and ooh and ah, but that, that's, that's one of the, one of the nice benefits of putting the uh, suit and tie on is uh, getting a good seat. Scott, I'm not sure if you're aware, but the Monarchists do a lot of events with ODU unofficially with different sports fundraisers. And we take a lot of pride in that events such as dollars for dingers. We did last year following the baseball yep. season, of course, old Dominion baseball, led the nation in home runs at 105 home runs. So we were able to start something online with folks giving a dollar for every home run hit. We raised about $10,000 in a couple of weeks, which was pretty cool. Every year we do a Toys for Tots drive that we're super proud of. Harry McBrien, the retired Marine who's part of our group and uh, police captain of Virginia Beach, very involved at, at Old Dominion. We've, we've done two of those and, and we do – you know, that every year. So it's super important how we get involved with ODU in the community. Given that, what's your favorite charity? Tell us a little bit about well, it. Well, I, I did a lot of different things. I've done Leukemia Lymphoma Society. My, my grandmother died of uh, leukemia, lymphoma, or lymphoma, I should say. And so that was one I got involved with. I, I, actually, when I was in North Carolina, I did it. They talked me into doing the Man of the Year campaign or raise money for that, the Man and Women of the Year campaign. So, you know, you go out there and you pretty much, you know, do all kinds of different fun events to try to create find creative ways to raise money. I think we were doing it the year we did it was 2008 or 2009 when the housing market just totally fell flat on its face and it was the worst time to raise money ever. We actually and it actually turned out pretty good all in all for the, for the entirety of the things so that was good. But you know since I've been back in DC, I've done a lot with the National Kidney Foundation, local DC chapter because of I, I grew up I had a I had a kidney issue when I was young and I was I was getting treated for it for a good part of my my elementary school, middle school years. By the time I was in high school, I was pretty much clear and I was at Georgetown University Hospital was place I had to go a few times uh, where my doctor was and it was so I started doing that and it was kind of cool because I went back and saw the guy who who treated me my doctor and I mean I had a situation somewhat similar to what Alonzo morning where I had this thing called nephrotic syndrome which is basically like your 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 tissues pump your kidney tissues pumping out like white blood cells and blood into your urine and protein into your urine things you can't do and it was problem was i had both kidneys were bad it wasn't like they could just take one like it was both it was happening to both kidneys so it's like they couldn't just remove just one you know and you can live with one you know or get a transplant so i was in a weird spot so they tried at the time was kind of a it was kind of a it wasn't kind of it was an experimental situation they put me on prednisone which people take for everything now right but at that time they weren't using it and i mean i you know i was a skinny kid and i got big man because i blew up like and, and then back in those days they were like yeah you know you're you're on this kind of thing you shouldn't you know they try to cut down my sports activities and stuff and i was like wait a minute i'm getting fat and you're telling me i can't do this stuff like i'm talking to my parents i'm like we gotta i gotta let at least play basketball or soccer i mean i gotta build something and then so slowly over time you know because they were worried about you taking shots to your kidneys and all that stuff but slowly over time they kind of let it go and then like once the stuff's out of your system you obviously flush out and you're fine and there were some concerns you could stunt your growth, cause, you know, infertility down the road and all these kind of things, which fortunately none of those I had to worry about. But it was it was definitely, you know, 
I was young enough that it probably was good because I didn't really know what was going on. But then later, you know, as you talk to your parents and you get older, like, yeah, it's a pretty serious situation. We had no idea what we were dealing with. They didn't really know what they were dealing with at first. And so when, you know, I found that out as I got older. And then so when I came back here and I had a chance, you know, through the radio station to do some stuff with National Kidney Foundation, I met with uh, the director here who's awesome. And she was like, this is great. This is a story. You know, so I've hosted a bunch of events for them over the years. Unfortunately, with COVID the last few years, all the cool things we used to do, we haven't really been able to do like some of the black tie events and stuff like that. But I think this year should be a good one for it. So we'll, we'll get back to doing it. But that, that's really the one, you know, that uh, probably the most like near and dear to me for, for, for uh, raising money. And when that event is ready to be uh, shared, let us know. We'll, we'll yeah, kidney ball, hopefully. Word. Usually it's November-ish. Of course, my problem the last few years has been I'll have a basketball game. <laughs> like I'll have a game or something. So like the last few like, few years it's hurt me. But yeah, I'll let, definitely let you know. But yeah, it's been great. We had a casino night many years ago. Uh, it was like a St. Patrick's Day thing too. It was a lot of fun that I hosted with one of the TV uh, folks around here. So it, it's, you know, they're always looking at inventive ways to raise money, you know, to bring bands in like, like some classic rock bands, like, you know, Pat Benatar was, was here a few years ago, which is pretty cool. Or excuse me, Joan, not Pat Benatar, my bad, Joan Jett. Sorry, she's from Baltimore. I always get those two confused. And, you know, that was good. And they've had a lot of different acts over the years that have come through here. And, you know, hopefully, like I said, hopefully now back, hopefully on the better side of this, to the COVID stuff, we can, we can get back to having bigger events. Aaron, we got to remember to put the link to their website. Yeah, absolutely. Website yeah, I'll get, I'll get that from you, Scott, and put on the show Thanks, notes buddy. so folks can go to that. So let's take, kind of roll yep. it back, back to ODU. And that's what we're here for. So what do you love about Old Dominion and what keeps you engaged with the school? Well, I think it's the people, right? Like the people I've met over the years that were there and still some people that are there that, uh, you know, whether it was through the athletic department, you know, through the, the school part of it that I that I got friends from the school, like other alumnus, alumni, that, that's really the, the people part of it. You know, when I go down there, like my wife, and again, my I met my wife there. So like, it's always going to be like, the place for us, you know, it makes it special. When we go down there, you just feel younger. <laughs> you know, you just like you remember the stuff. You like you just you just feel better. I mean, the campus that it is now was certainly not the campus it was when I was there. It is so much more to it, and it's it's great, you know. And I and I look, I liked it when I was there. I didn't, you know, but to see what they've done with it, the and the how they built on is is terrific, and I really. I really love the way it looked. When I did the tour with my son, I was like, can I go back again? You know, I want, I want you know, I was, I was so mad at him when he went to Mason, but no, I'm just kidding. I wasn't mad at him because he wanted to be a cyber guy and I get it at the time they didn't have the program and now they do. So that's good. So, but it's a, yeah, I think that's it. You know, the app, you know, the place, the people that are there that I've kept in touch with over the years, you know, I think is what, what makes it special for me. And again, the memories, I mean, you know, is part of it and the, the friends and again, I, you know, if I don't go there and live next door to some girl from South Jersey that I meet, you know, who knows uh, where I am right now, where she is. <laughs> so my kids are once in a while go, oh, we got to go by ODU. We're going to get kind of crappy with us. And they were little. We'd be like, you guys wouldn't be here without this college. You guys just shut up and we're going to go through <laughs> the campus one more time. Okay. Well, bring them down for a tailgate. Right. Somehow ODU right. Really That's, does yeah. It. Yeah. And That's what I'm telling you. My, my, my youngest one is a junior. I'm like, dude, you got to pick a football school. I mean, I'm not forcing you to go to you, although I would like you to. But you need to find a football school. Your brother went to a basketball only school. That's you know, you have to do the opposite. So, uh, but yeah, my my oldest son does admit every once in a while that he wishes they would have he would have gone to a football school. <laughs> 
It's like, hey, I warned you, man. I, it's not like I didn't warn you. And I will completely agree with you on the people. Yep. When I came to ODU, I didn't right. really know anyone there. And even after I commuted, yep. I worked full-time in school. So I still didn't really know anyone. And I've luckily met uh, so many great people like Aaron and the rest of our tailgating crew. And our kind of our circle has just exploded solely because of ODU. And then when you go to games more and more often, you, you see how small of a community it really is. We go to games and we see Wood there. We see we see Bruce. We see Jim. We saw Jim Jarrett at a tennis match. That's cool. Weeks That's ago. good to know. Yeah. That's great. Good. Yeah. Good to hear. I, yeah, I knew Jim. You know, he was the AD when I was there, and, and when I was working in the market at the sports station, when I was doing shows. You know, we used to have a lot of meetings with Jim interviews and stuff so that, that's good yeah you're right i mean i mean I'm, this year so when i went down to homecoming i mean you know basketball is their tailgate set up so you go over there and there's literally like hey here's jeff jones here's the team you know all the guys are there and then the, the you know, like brian stith come back that weekend and he's hanging out with the crew and you know it was it was it was really cool i mean just to see all those guys you know there you know whether former or current players and they're just you know hanging out and go talk to them about the season and stuff so you're right it is even though it's a you know, in numbers, a big school, it's still a small. All right, Scott. So you've had a lot of broadcasting jobs. You've announced live sporting events. You've done post game. You've done the radio. A lot of that involves storytelling. So can you tell us about how that happens in a live event or do you just let it kind of flow? Well, there's, there's obviously, you know, you still got to call the event, right? Like what's happening in front of you. But there are some games where, you know, let's be honest, they're not as competitive as others. And that's kind of a little bit more of the storytelling, you know, ends up coming in and kind of the sidebar stuff throughout the game. But I mean, there is also a way, though, in in good games, you know, we have a little bit of downtime to, to kind of get into the stories. But, yeah, I mean, you kind of know going in um, what you want to get to. And it's usually like I always say, it's always good to have a lot of stuff ready. But hopefully you don't use all of it, right? Because you don't want to be in the in a position where you're like, oh, my God, this game is so terrible. I've got to tell every story. Like, if I'm doing a game with John Feinstein, I'll be honest, I don't have to really worry about, like, fi- like having filler topics because I know John's going to fi- – John's got a story about everything. He knows everybody. I mean, it's incredible. Like, his knowledge, it, it just freaks me out sometimes. And, like, he's got a story for every moment, which is great. So, you know, and John and I, you know, have over the years done, done some games where – uh, they're not very competitive at times, so it, it's good when you get to the John story time, as I like to say, and it, and it makes it, uh, you know, it makes it a little bit easier. But yeah, I mean, you just you kind of like I said, you always have stuff ready, you know, which which you want to hit besides the basic, you know, matchup, you know, meat and potato stuff, and then hopefully you get some of it, and, and hopefully you don't have to use all of it, and, and be worried about you know trying to create it, stuff as as the game goes on. All right, Scott. Well. Thank you so much for joining us. We're so happy to have met you, tailgated with you, shared drinks with you. Thank you so much for joining us. It's it's an honor. That was a great time, guys. Appreciate it. Anytime. Enjoy it and, and, and keep keep getting Monarch Nation fired up for baseball, football, basketball, like you guys have been doing. We appreciate it. 